You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hi, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. I am Anthony Kastrovitz. It's time for our weekly Tigers chat. We are going to bring in Jason Beck. And uh, the Tigers coming off a weekend sweep at the hands of the Indians. Beck, we talked last week about new addition, uh, not about new addition, the, the pop group from the 80s, but about the new addition, Jordan Zimmerman, who's been quite good, of course, uh, going into his Monday start. And uh, Jared Saltalamagia has also been excellent for the Tigers. But I want to talk about some things that aren't going as well on the new addition front. And uh, Justin Upton certainly qualifies. Uh, he enters the week with a 214, 247, 314 slash. That is not good. Does not translate to good. Um, what, what do you make of Upton's early struggles? This is part of the streakiness that, that kind of comes with this player. That's kind of how I looked at it the first couple of weeks, and I almost think we're, we're getting beyond that to where you know. I think when you get to three weeks, it's it's kind of beyond the streak, and it's it's legitimately a slow start here and something is, is uh, just not clicking. Um, it, it does seem like he's put a lot of pressure on himself. You know, I kind of think back to when Miguel Cabrera first came over in 08 and uh, felt a lot of pressure that he wasn't accustomed to. Uh, I think batting in front of Cabrera hasn't had the impact that Tigers would have thought, not just because of Upton, but I think also because of the struggles of Cabrera. I think going into the season, you saw that as a 2-3 combination where one could feed off the other. And really, it almost feels like their struggles are are sinking each other kind of um, in tandem here. Uh, But I don't think he's doomed. But I, I think something here has got to start clicking. Um, you know, maybe it's time to consider lowering him down in the order, kind of see if that has any impact. Maybe it's time to kind of go to work with extra BP and see what's going on with the swings. Maybe it's time to, to start looking at scouting reports and, and seeing what uh, what opponents are, are doing here for a hitter who isn't accustomed to American League pitching, even though I think a lot of us would argue that the differences now are so blurred with guys going back and forth to where it, uh, it shouldn't make that big of a difference. Is uh, a move out of the number two spot, as, as you mentioned, is, is that something Brad Ausmus has publicly given consideration to? Where does uh, yeah, that thought sit right now? He was pretty steadfast like five days ago that it wasn't going to happen. There was a amount of a panic move probably words he, he might regret now because then a couple of days ago he he got asked the question again once the team returned home and he didn't rule it out. Uh, he said they've talked about a lot of different things. Uh, the question would be who do you put in that two spot to take his place? Is there a logical candidate? I know a lot of people raise Jose Iglesias as a possibility. He's off to a pretty good start to play. He's a good contact hitter. He's not a guy who's responded well to the two-spot in the past. 
Uh, it's a little different type of uh, skill set from what he's had to show in batting lower in the order. But that said, if you're looking at a short-term move and just hoping to get up and going so you can move him back up there once he up, then maybe it's something you approach a little bit differently. Um, Anthony Ghost is struggling. He'd be a candidate otherwise. Uh, I think center field is another position of flux for them right now while they wait and see what uh, Cameron Maiden's health status is. And then you get beyond that, and uh, you'd really be trying to put some square pegs and round holes, I, I think, beyond those two guys. Uh, so it's, I think they're trying to avoid a large-scale reordering uh, of the batting order, but there's not a whole lot of flexibility to where you can move too many other guys and still feel like you're comfortable with Victor clean up in the third. Let's talk about K-Rod. Uh, obviously, he's away from the team for a few days here on family medical emergency leave. Um, but you know, early on, he, he's had his struggles here in ERA north of seven. Uh, I, I know he said he was embarrassed by his outing uh, the other night. Uh, is there we, – we talked earlier this season about the – kind of extreme change-up usage, that seems to have come back down to earth. Uh, what, what do you make of uh, his struggles to start the season? Well, one, one thing about the, the Tigers' struggles over the last week is that they haven't had a lot of chances to use them. So Very true. I, I don't know if the lack of regular work has an impact at all. You know, once he comes back, he's going to go a stretch of, of close to a week, maybe more, where, where he hasn't pitched in the game. So it, it's going to be a test to get him back going, but potentially it could be an opportunity as well to kind of work on some things with his pitching, kind of look at the mechanics, see if there's maybe some situation where maybe there's a tipping in the pitches, although when you throw that many change-ups, I don't really know if, you know, the element of surprise is that huge of a deal anymore. Uh, Is there something in the delivery that makes a difference? Is there something in the sequence? Um, he's had, ironically enough, a pretty good breaking ball, it seems like, from, uh, for much of these first few weeks. It hasn't really been a big pitch for him. It was a bigger pitch for him when, when he was younger and he had that fastball to kind of complement it. Uh, now maybe that's something he goes back to as kind of a swing and miss pitch to, to try to get guys to chase. But, you know, that only works if you get ahead in the count. And that's something that, he was struggling to do um, in his recent safe situation. Uh, while we're on the uh, new additions uh, theme here, uh, Mike Pelfrey. So he's 0-3, but he's got a solid 3.68 ERA. So, you know, just looking at that, you think, okay, he's been a little unlucky. But his fielding independent pitching mark is 6.23, and that's a, uh, a better measure of, of what a pitcher has in his control. And that's obviously – a uh, not an encouraging number. So it almost makes you think he has actually been lucky to have the ERA he has. Uh, I know it's only a few starts, but what's your read on uh, Pelfrey's early contribution? Here? Well, he's another guy who kind of went the uh, another route of saying it's been embarrassing and he's been terrible and you know, kind of a conventional type uh, post-game session after his last start. Uh, the sinker's not sinking. The sinker's been flat. It's been kind of moving side to side as opposed to up and down. 
you know, trying to get that sink back in there. Uh, it got to the point where Brad Ausmus caught his last bullpen session. I think it would have been on uh, Saturday um, here in Detroit. So, and it, it wasn't necessarily a short uh, bullpen session either. It was like 40 pitches, maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, he really wanted to work on, on trying to shore up those mechanics. I don't think work ethic's a problem with this guy. Uh, that said, I think for a six foot seven pitcher, when you get out of whack with your mechanics, I think it takes it, oftentimes it takes some work for a guy like that to, to get them back in line and, and to get them consistent. Uh, but if you take away the sinker, he's, he's a very vulnerable pitcher. And, you know, this is a guy who's well, you know, one of the main reasons Tigers got him is because of that sinker's fair combination. And when he has starts like last start in KC, where neither of them is moving with the intended uh, with the intended spin, it you know, creates problems. And it, it creates line drives and an extra base hit. Yep, we've seen that here early on. Uh, the rotation in general, um, Verlander and Zimmerman, those are the only two guys to give them seven innings and a start. They've each done it twice as we record this. Other than that, the rotation has just struggled to go deep at the games. Uh, you alluded to this back uh, in your report from Saturday's game, but uh, you know, how big of an X factor is Anibal Sanchez? Obviously, he, he's had his struggles here early on. I've been saying it since spring training. This guy's huge. To, to get him right and to get him consistent uh, is, I mean, is, is important not only for him, but I think for the pitching staff as a whole, he's really kind of that fulcrum from which it's really going to determine, I think, whether this is an effective rotation or a starting five with some holes in it. Uh, if you've got him going in a, in a consistent fashion, strong up innings, giving quality starts, he doesn't even have to necessarily be in that 2013 form. But just get him in a position where you can count on him and give you a chance to chance to win with like six or seven innings every time out, then you're looking at the front three of veteran starters where you kind of have a good idea of your bullpen usage for those three days. And then it gives you an opportunity to be a little bit more flexible, maybe a little bit more aggressive with the bottom two spots, one of which is Mike Pelfrey, who you can look on as a four as opposed to a middle rotation guy. And the other one being the spot for one of the youngsters. Currently, Shane Green, maybe Daniel Norris down the road once he gets healthy, maybe even Matt Boyd, who we saw actually yesterday. Um, when Sanchez isn't going right, and then you start having to look for more out of Mike Pelfrey than what you sign him for, then you start looking for more consistency out of that, those youngsters in the five spot. I think that's where this rotation can kind of get away from you and things start to spin a little bit out of control to where that bullpen usage, I think as we've seen from time to time already, gets a little bit too aggressive and those relievers become taxed. All right, we'll see if the Tigers can get things back under control this week. For now, I want to thank Jason Beck for joining us, and thank you all for tuning in. It's been MLB.com Extras, Detroit Tigers edition. 
MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 